Live and direct from New Delhi, India on Box Out FM. This is your host, DJ Mo City. Sitting right next to me, Titsworth. We're broadcasting this later, but we recorded this while he was in India during his show for Box Out Wednesdays. We're going to talk about a genre of music called Go-Go. First, we'll, uh, we'll let Titsworth introduce himself and give us a little background on who he is and what Yeah, what are you doing right now. Word. Uh, my name's Titsworth. Um... I traveled around a lot, but eventually ended up in the Washington, D.C. area. I was introduced to a lot of different types of music there. Uh, Baltimore Club is when I first started touring uh, internationally. Mumaton um, was invented there. Uh, Go-Go was invented there. Uh, and then, especially in the mid to late 90s, uh, we had a lot of other sort of uh, pretty influential scenes, uh, like a hardcore scene, the Discord rock scene, a sort of legendary rave scene where I would play drum and bass for about seven years. Uh, drum and bass was the first kind of thing you were spinning as a DJ? Or? I, I would say it started off with hip-hop. Oh, I was like okay. just collecting a bunch of different pieces of music and party rock and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, then I'd kind of go and see a couple... You know, during that time, it was like you would... There would be like the hip-hop room at the rave. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? Like okay. a Qbert might be playing sure. or, or, or a Craze or somebody like that. So that was my entry point. I would go in there and these hip-hop DJs would mix drum and bass and, and hip-hop, and that was sort of my gateway okay. in there. And then, you know, I played drum and bass for seven years, got super serious. I think there was like a three-year stretch where I didn't like play a single lyric in my, like there was like not a single vocal in my, okay. you know no what vocal. I mean? And, and which is like really into just sort of like heavy beats. What kind beats. of drum and bass? Like uh, jump up? Jump up, I guess, was the first, was the first? The first thing. Okay. And then I kind of ran the gamut. I did like a, a dark core thing, a tech step thing, okay. and, you know, just like How all over the How are you getting your references coming because it was mainly in the UK at that point yep. I mean yep. how is it reaching Washington DC and how are you kind of um, for, for me it's like the, the rave scene that was going on that during that time was so vibrant that a lot of those dudes were, were coming to, to our town like regularly twice a week were you buying records I was I started off initially just like copping the tapes and going to see it live and, and, and you know I remember buying like a few pieces of CD to yeah. a, a few CDs to be, become more educated about it okay um And then it just got to the point to where it's just like drone bass just became so, so serious. Yeah, for you. For me, yeah. And it was just like, I think after seven years, I just needed like a change. Okay. You know? Uh, I would end up throwing this party. Um, we, we called it Crunk. Okay. And basically, before I knew what Holotronics was, okay. it was like a similarly formatted thing. Sure. It was like me, homies, just going to get up, open format, you play a little bit of Baltimore Club, you might play a disco record that you like, an old 90s house record that you like, and just kind of mash it all up. Sure. And um, right around that time, Baltimore Club was starting to pop, and Diplo was doing his thing in Philly, and kind of showed me some love about some remixes, and, and that's kind of where things started to jump off for me. Nice. Um, And then uh, right around that, I guess after Baltimore Club, there was like the Bloghouse sort of era. Okay. And like that was a sort of really interesting time because like Disco Bell and a lot of these sites were so cracking that if you put out an EP that they really liked, yeah. like the next thing you know, like, Your you know, some guy that like, for example, like I lived in Gaithersburg, Maryland at that time, like an hour outside of any major city. 
and like, you put out an EP that they like, and the next thing you know, like you're you're touring Europe. You're fucking sure. Yeah, exactly. So that was a pretty magical time, and the, the Bloghouse shit was kind of cracking. Um, and then right around that time, when that started to wane, um, and and this like, I guess Mumatone was probably the next major sort of thing. It was like the Mumatone and the EDM thing started to bubble in the okay. country after that. How did the whole Mumatone thing happen in DC? Dave Nada. Dave, yeah, Dave invented it. Um, I actually met Dave for the first time at that party that I told you that okay. we started throwing, yeah. like, accidentally. The crime. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, just had him play one time, and I was like, oh, you're definitely going to be the resident. Like, you're, wow. you're going to play here, like, as nice. often as you can. Because he's nice. such a phenomenal DJ. But, yeah, he invented he invented a genre. He invented a genre that has, the what, like, the top two biggest hits of all time on Spotify. Uh, my friend Scott was uh, pointed out that he's actually more influential on YouTube than Kanye if you just consider the fact that he like you know has all these connections to like whether it's lean on whether it's to this or that if you like exactly 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 that's great so he invented that and started off at a small like dive bar one of my favorite dive bars in DC and then as that starts to bubble um You know, I, I opened um, a club in Washington, D.C. Around the same uh, time. Um, shortly thereafter. Yeah. And convinced him. He kind of was outgrowing that and moved there. And they started doing movement tone massives. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And Matt Decent helped supporting it. And yeah. And the next thing I know, it was like three years after that, it was just like two or three years after that, it was just like a blur. And we were playing like these like massive festivals. Um you know, in, in Los Angeles to, to people that were just like going crazy from Mumatone, you know. Um, so that that was pretty much it. And, and uh, I've been kind of encouraging Dave to kind of um, get back into the Mumatone thing. Uh, I think, you know, not to be a dick or anything, but I, I think that like some of us just got tired of hearing the same type of Mumatone over and over sure, again. Sure. And we weren't really, you know, excited to write like festival Mumbatone or you know like all big, these things big, yeah big beats so um, my whole thing now is uh, I have a trip that I'm trying to plan uh, to go to Mexico Mexico City with Dave um, who's touring with Mumbatone again right now which is super exciting but uh, to kidnap him to go to Mexico City and kind of reconnect with like there's like all these like really young kids that like are writing like psychedelic sort of cumbia and Mumbatone and, and all this kind of stuff And it's bugged out stuff. I mean, there's, like, people that, you know, a lot of us have never heard before who, like, play, like, Bergine and shit like wow. that. You know what I mean? Yeah, With, yeah. like, on on that sort of, like, yeah. Kumbia Nafi, tip. Nafi is a... Nafi's doing Bergine. their thing, yeah, too. I actually yeah. saw them in Berlin when I was in Berlin. Oh, really? Yeah, very... Uh, Not at Bergine. <laughs> no, no, I saw, no, so, but I saw Buck Rock at Bergine, but no. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah, Nafi, people are doing great things out there. Right? Absolutely. So I, I can't wait to, to, to go there and, and, and kind of, like... Uh, see how that goes but it's funny Shantanae and I were talking about this earlier and it was just kind of like whether it's go-go or Mumbatone or dance hall or even a lot of sort of Indian music it has this sort of, sort of like swing behind the beat sort of shuffle thing to it okay. you know so I mean like you know the, the rhythm is not the exact same um, but coming here to, for the first time I was like oh I totally get why people like Mumbatone okay. and I listen to their traditional music from the rhythm like yeah yeah, yeah. and even even some of the instruments are of a very similar tone and a similar groove like when we were sitting with the, the, the dancehall it's there a lot totally the totally. rhythm is specifically like Indian percussion is played on dancehall beats you know? yeah 
There's yep. a bunch of these things. Like and Cooly Rhythm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, you know, for, for me, just kind of like growing up in that area and, and being like within arm's length of Go-Go since I was in high school, um, it was sort of interesting to me to kind of get back into it. And, and it wasn't that much of a stretch at all because I, it's, it's just such an infectious groove. And it's, you know, a lot of people call it like the, the pulse of, of DC, if you will. And that uh, is the live music scene? It is the predominantly live. live. Yeah, live. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was that growing up? Like, how did that kind of get into the mix? I mean, when did you start? Uh, me personally, like, what yeah. is my relationship yeah. with it early on? Yeah. Uh, so when I first moved to DC, um, I have a very vivid memory of like us pulling into Anacostia, which is like a you know a very like poor uh, or was a very poor rough part of town. Okay. And I just remember like just getting out of the car and we pulled up to this McDonald's. And I just remember just running over to this bucket player. And this guy just had like a bunch of buckets upside down and some pots and pans and was just making this amazing music out of it. Wow. And it was just like beeline for him. And I was just standing there with my jaw on the ground staring. And my parents were just, you know, already scared to be in D.C. and yeah. surrounded with, with black people and all this kind of stuff that they weren't really accustomed to. Yeah. And they're just like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Like, get over here. You know, like how you can't just run across the street and hang out and, you know, and be, be on the corner and all that. And I never forgot that moment. Uh, and then I guess as I would kind of grow old, the, the irony is I would kind of move around the city and eventually into the burbs, I should say, and that's where I'd end up going to high school. And I would spend all of my time, I would sneak out as often as I could to go back to that neighborhood. Just uh, Not only for that, but as it turned out, in that same neighborhood, uh, the greatest, like, biggest sort of, uh, sort of ravey warehouse uh, party... Uh, like Buzz at, at Capital Ballroom and Nation uh, used to bring in like you know just tremendous tremendous influential talent from okay. uh, drum and bass techno to everything uh, and yeah Were so you like that into these event? Were you going to these events? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then I, you know the go go stuff is really interesting is because uh, a, a lot of it is also similar to drum and bass early on, it was traded by tapes. Okay. And people would treat the tapes like currency almost. You know, these tapes, it's like, you know, I, I, when I would say like the most influential years of that stuff for me, it's probably like mid 90s. And uh, those tapes would make their way all the way like an hour outside of the city into like, you know, the suburbs of Maryland. And that's where I first started to hear this stuff. And I was like, what is this? This stuff is crazy, you know what I mean? And that was well before I even knew really kind of what the go-go bands look like they're okay. anything. How many piece band exactly, singing, exactly. who's playing what exactly. instruments or yeah. All right. So I mean the thing about a lot of that regional music is like uh, people were pretty loyal to their shit. Like uh, people that really liked go-go. Yeah. Not only did they like go-go, but they only liked their neighborhood band. Okay. You know what I mean? Like the different neighborhoods had the different bands and they would go to the shows and shout out their neighborhoods and like, you know, it, it was it was a, a very specific thing. So not only do they only fuck with their only their own genre, they want their regional version of that genre. Okay. Let but you know, I, I guess just kind of me being like almost an outsider to, to a lot of that stuff at that point, it was like I I, I liked all of it. So even though people that used to like Baltimore Club, didn't like Go-Go. Yeah. I like both of them, you know? And, and so, like, I guess as the times would change, um, 
it would become easier for me to kind of flex on these reference points and, and influences. And, and back in the day, that's more really flexible that you kind of like both. Exactly. Like even doing a Baltimore Club remix of a Go-Go song, which I did, you know, sort Baltimore. of initially like okay. that. That's just like, that's not a thing. Like those, those people don't play nice. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's just kind of like, I guess, a crash course on some of the, the sort of uh, DC uh, influences coming up. I mean, it, there's there's a ton of them. We have a selection of music, but before we go into that, uh, go go. What 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 is their history? What are you gonna share with us right now? What are we starting with? Go go is this music. Uh, it's existed in Washington DC for over 40 years. Um, not a lot of people know about it um, outside of Washington DC, but it has a lot of. Uh, it's touched a lot of different pieces of pop culture in ways that people aren't 100% familiar with. Uh, and we'll get into some of that. Uh, I'll play a little bit about, um, I guess, who invented it, kind of just briefly how it's changed, um, you know, in, in 20 to 30 years um, and, and that kind of stuff. And maybe some of the sort of um, cultural anomalies within it that kind of make it different than a lot of types of music. Um, but I guess if I just kind of had to give it like a, a very dirty, quick and dirty description gogo is live music that came from washington dc played you know played by a band that's very percussive um it's typically defined by a conga rhythm that has like a specific pocket and a specific swing to it okay and as the years have progressed that pocket and that swing has kind of changed and evolved All right. and the sort of project that that i'm working on called reagan bombs is taking that that pocket and that groove and that swing and applying it to different types of music that I like. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh, the first song that I wanted to play is Chuck Brown, Bustin' Loose. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with, with Go-Go, it, you know, it probably just sounds like a regular sort of funk song, if you will. Uh, but what's, what's sort of interesting is, is the man who invented Go-Go, Chuck Brown, um, decided to put congas in it and use that as a driving groove for that. Um, so, you know, initially he said that, that it was just something that he tried to do to kind of keep the, the party vibe going. He didn't intend on creating a genre or a sound for the town, as he calls it, but it ended up being, you know, one of the most influential things, uh, at least to me and a lot of people in that city. Um, what started initially is he used to kind of um, play in cover bands and then would start his own band. And during that time, <clears throat> disco DJs were really popular. And what he would do is have to come up with like a sort of continuous experience to rival that. Okay. So he's like, I'm not a disco DJ, but people want this continuous groove. experience. Exactly. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna use this groove with this type of conga thing. And the band that he was in prior to it was a Latin cover band. Okay. So that's kind of like it. Kind of has this like Latin-y or even calypso sort of feel to it. Um, and it, it, it's its birthplace is you know almost like a tropical sort of deal. Um, and then he does kind of like a funk version of it. It becomes a billboard hit. But uh, yeah, so uh, this is Bustin' Loose. Uh, it's by Chuck Brown. And uh, I promise not to play all seven and a half minutes of it. Sometimes, y'all. 
Pretty sure it's my favorite go-go song of all time and, and one of my favorite songs um, maybe ever. Uh, Junkyard Band is interesting. This is, at this point, um, it no longer, go-go music no longer sounded like funk music. Um, the city would kind of go through a certain degree of, of poverty. Uh, so a lot of the 
professional instruments and a lot of the the this sort of uh, high-end musicianship would kind of um, kind of dry up a little bit because the city was just kind of going through a bunch of stuff uh, and uh, junkyard band was sort of a, a response to that and there were these young kids that just combed their neighborhoods for like buckets and pots and pans and stuff like that and just like just off of whatever they could Stop like it. paint cans or whatever yeah. you know and um, yeah and that was junkyard band it was kind of like less is more sort of deal uh, and they were kids when they started doing this. Uh, this particular song uh, was co-produced, or was produced by Rick Rubin and was signed to Def Jam. So this is one of the few times where Gogo actually leaves the city um, in a way that is fairly impactful. Uh, the record would never quite pop the way that a lot of people wanted it to because Def Jam at that point was blowing up and, and put resources into other things. But this, this is a good record because you can hear the rawness of it. Uh, you can hear kind of like, you know, the, the heart and soul of these, of these kids and this music. And there's also like a very specific message about kind of like what uh, black folks were going through in D.C. during that time, which I feel is very relevant to kind of like all this Trump shit and all this stuff going on right now. So that's uh, the word by Junkyard Band.
So that last one was The Word by Junkyard Band, uh, which you might also recognize from Salt and Peppa's My Mic Sounds Nice, uh, when things kind of went south on Def Jam, um, there, and uh, I don't think Rick Rubin was as involved with the decision to basically take the drums of that record and just kind of like farm it out to sort of related producers to kind of jack their drums, and uh, it would start this uh, this theme of not paying go-go folks for their, for their shit, which leads me to this next record. Uh, this next one is um, Rare Essence. Um, it's a catchy song. Uh, so in addition to it kind of having this sort of pop culture significance, um, you'll also hear another musical shift here. So in the first one, it sounded like funk music by Chuck Brown. The second one, it got a little raw. They're using pocket buckets and pots and pans, and the grooves are kind of starting to get a little bit loose, uh, but it's still relatively fast. By Overnight Scenario, the thing is slowing down a little bit. Um, There's always been this sort of call and response, engage the crowd sort of factor of it. But here, it's like you're hearing something that's, you know, like uh, a fairly hooky. um, It's starting to get a little bit more rap influenced. Like a song. Yeah, it's it's just, he's not singing. You know what I mean? It's not as sing-songy as it used to be, per se. It doesn't sound like funk music. And more importantly, you can just hear the whole thing slow down. So all of a sudden he's and it's like now it's like and like really the head knocking sort of like deep sort of they call it like you know that cranking style is like really starting to become more prominent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, the significance here is that Jay Z would sample this record, uh, and basically you'll hear like the opening sort of hook. He did his version of it, which is like almost verbatim. He just kind of subbed, subbed a couple of words here and there. And um, recently talked to one of the members about what it was like and what it was going through at that time and how Jay-Z's management asked for that record two days before his ripped off version came out and all this crazy shit. Long story short, Jay-Z would end up winning in court and they would not get shit for it. <laughs> Throw the hands up. Everybody get it up. Throw the hands up. 12 a.m. on my way to the club. 1 a.m. DJ made it a rub. 2 a.m. now I'm getting with her. 3 a.m. now I'm splitting with her. 4 a.m. at the Waffle House. 5 a.m. now we at my house. 6 a.m. I be digging her out. 6.15 I be kicking her out. 7 a.m. And um, this is uh, Overnight Scenario by Rare Essence. Four in the morning, we'll be rolling to my house. Five in the morning, the lights go out. Six in the morning, you can hear us start to shout. Seven in the morning, she'll be calling the cab. Eight in the morning, talking about the pussy head. Nine in the morning, and she's just getting home. Talking about the overnight scenario. Scenario. Three in the morning, the pancake house. Four in the morning, we'll be rolling to my house. Five in the morning, the lights go out.
Is uh, Huckabucks. Um, I did an edit of Rock a While. Um, Huckabucks is like, it, as far as like a lot of the other sort of bands mentioned, aren't as large, uh, weren't around as long of a time, but I feel are kind of slept on. And uh, this one is interesting because I did an edit, but I didn't really do that much to it. And for its time and what it is, it's like it's fairly contemporary. It has like this interesting build of tension, and then it just kind of releases into like a really nice pocket and like just like a hard cranking groove. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was like super contemporary for its time, barely touched it, and uh, played it on Wednesday, and wow. you know, it, it worked. Uh, so yeah, this is the Huckabucks, um, I mean, you, you'll notice that, it, like similar to the last one, it's kind of like, of, of a similar tempo and a similar sort of just like hard cranking groove, you know? Uh, so here we go. Everybody get ready for this, let's rock a while. <laughs> Hey, 
So uh, that was Hucklebuck's Rock a While. Um, again, I, like I, I barely edited this thing. Um, you know, Go Go is, per, you know, it's it's live music. It's it makes more sense as a band, listening to these bands. You know, control a crowd and call and response and 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 that whole thing. You know, for like a continuous hour or two hours or whatever it is. Uh, you just so, made it more DJ friendly. Yeah, and I oddly enough, I didn't really have to do that that much to it, but just like trimming a little bit of the fat and, and kind of just making it like a little bit more easy to kind of start off with and get into the mix and all that. But yeah, I mean, uh, as far as DJ tools go, um, that one is like it's it's pretty contemporary for what it is. Like to have a go-go band that like puts in those synth swells and, and kind of have it drop to a pocket like that um, uh, is, is not too typical. Box out FM. Box out FM. Sound of the people. Box out FM. The B side of India. Box out FM for the musically curious. Sitting here with Titsworth, aka Jesse. Alright. Introducing. This is the Northeast Groovers Eye Roll Socket. Uh, Northeast Groovers was one of the bigger, sort of, I guess you would call it like third, third wave bands. Um, I, I'm working with two of them on the new project right now. Uh, shout out to Stomp and Smoke. 
and this one is significant for a couple reasons. This is straight up cup, cut off of just like a gully, greasy, overloaded PA tape. Uh, back in the day, you know, they would e e just kind of like plug up to the mixing board and, and just like, record. you know, yeah, just record it. But even before that, like folks no that mastering, nothing. very just like crude, like live in the mix sort of stuff going on. Okay. And prior to that, like people would actually even bring recorders and hold them up and just wow. like get the overloaded tape stuff. And, uh, you know, I'll even uh, sample it sometimes and, and, and it cause it just creates a really interesting effect, you know. Because the, the compressor and the boombox is overworking, and all of a sudden, sometimes the bass just sounds crazy. Uh, but yeah, this is a live one. Um, and speaking of sort of just like crude, like, in, you know, sort of live mixing on the PA board, uh, this is also significant because it has this guy named Deuce Nine working the board. He's doing the live mixing, and then in addition to that, um, from what I understand, he was the guy that pioneered actually doing live effects as an artistic statement, essentially. I don't really know that he would call it that, but we do. And I feel like he does this thing that's kind of like, you know, almost like a very techno thing. You'll hear, like, he'll take, like, pitch delays and flanges, and all of a sudden he, he takes the experience of these conga solos and he pushes them way over a top and, and, in a way that feels, like, really contemporary and really interesting. So, um, you know, you'll, you'll hear this, like, these really greasy pockets open up and then all of a sudden you know these effects just kind of like chasing the conga player and uh yeah there it is
me um is go-go black music uh it most definitely is um it's like music that was created uh or i should say supported by uh black folks that like again supported like bands from their particular part of town and it was very uncommon to see anybody but black folks um at the go-go and for the most part until it started to kind of get a little bit more of a a momentum and a city pride sort of thing predominantly only black folks really fucked with it um, well, you know some of the bigger like a jam band or more like it's, it's funny like I've heard people call it like black grateful dead music almost not that it really sounds like them but it essentially is extended grooves so in that regard it's kind of like a jam band yeah. and people would kind of chase their, their local band around town okay. and collect tapes and trade these live tapes of these rhythms for hours at a time wow. so in, in a lot of ways it kind of is like the black grateful dead um, which is kind of tight. Nice. Um, and kind of even to this day, uh, there's kind of variations of what GoGo is kind of turned into, and, and subgenres that even splinter off of that. But to this day, I mean, like you know, the last time I went to a slow bounce concert, which is kind of like um, it's like a almost like slower psych- like almost psychedelic sounding chop and screwed GoGo. There are like three thousand black kids there. Um, when me and my friend showed up, they, they thought, they like instantly they tried to charge us $50 to get in. What? They're like, it's $50 to get in. And then some guy behind the counter was like, oh, wait, no, they're the sound guys. Let them in. Like, they just assumed that we were, if because we were white and we were there, that we had to be sound guys or, or something, you know? <laughs> and then finally when I get in there and it's like, well, once I got in there, you know, there were people that would roll up to me. And it's, it's pretty hood, you know? At this point, Go-Go's, like, kind of recessed to... Because uh, DC is now very affluent and, and not predominantly black anymore. Okay. So a lot of the stuff has gotten pushed into, like, the shopping centers that are in more low-income, uh, like, fringes of, 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 like, the burbs touching the city. Uh, and, you know, people would just kind of approach me and be like, Yo, do you know where you're at? What are you doing here? It's like, oh, I really like this band. They're like, cool. 
we'll take a picture with me you know and then like you know like it was like this weird novelty thing like wow. going through the slums today in India uh, so yeah I mean I, there, I could go on and on and on and on about Go-Go but the, these are a few of the Go-Go songs that I, I really really uh, dig and respect and kind of like how they fit my interpretation of, of I guess my my narrative of You're what I like about Go-Go <laughs> yeah basically um the Reagan Bombs Project references Go-Go but makes no attempt yet or at this moment to be, you know, a Go-Go band per se. Okay. Those guys have been doing that stuff for years and I'm going to make no attempt to try to improve anything that those guys do quite well. So my thing is to take these these influences and these rhythms from these different eras and apply them to different things. This next one is a Romero song. Uh, I, actually, Dave Nada was... I, I, I ran up to him uh, at a party... Uh, I think it was like an Ace Hotel party or something like that where him and Matt were playing. Uh, shout out to Nada's room. And uh, I just like ran up to the, the CDJ and, and just took like a blurry picture of, of what it was and it turned out to be this. Um, it's a cool beat. You know, it's, it's got um, almost like a, a very like uh, syncopated, like loose cumbia vibe to it. And uh, I fuck with it tough. And um, yeah, it just feels like a na- natural sort of progression uh, from from go go to this uh, word. Because he's kind of timid himself, you know. And uh, if he switches on fire, we look at him like, damn, checking him out. Then Babe walk out the room with a fake girl. And uh, y'all call him Fane, I think. But uh, we call him Fane. Face and face and face. 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 Face.
next one is a flume song um even though flume is australian uh i like these sort of like loose sort of beats that remind me of like the the la beat scene and and just sort of like the boots in the dryer sort of train wrecking rhythms that make perfect sense if that makes any sense and uh it's in a lot of ways like like go-go but not like go-go uh you know it, it has like a really really cool groove to it but it's not the sort of tight pocket uh, that we were playing earlier. Uh, yeah, and it sounds kind of chaotic, but it, it like really comes together, and uh, here it is.
next one is the Motor City Drum Ensemble, um, and it's just sort of been in the crate for for a long time at this point. Uh, I just like the fact that like you can't really tell when this tune was made. Um, you know, you, you can't tell if, if it's an old house tune or, or somebody that's really nailed their aesthetic really well, but uh, it just sounds warm. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's it sounds like something that uh, is not off of VST, something that was pulled off a record and, and that sort of deal, and uh, just has like a lot of a soul and, and, and sort of characteristic to it. next one is Bambunu. Um, I really like the sort of Parisian sort of club scene that, that he kind of came from. It was like him and French fries and all those dudes. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of the sort of Baltimore club influences and what they do, but pushed into their own thing and pushed in the sonic direction that, that a lot of Baltimore club guys uh, didn't sort of have access to. Um, I guess so this guy they still have a very kind of niche on that on their what Bambuna? Yeah, and there's From what I understand, I guess I think this one's like a year or two old and okay. and, and, and I like it cuz it's kind of like unusual and has uh, almost like uh, I won't say like a go-go, but I mean like a go-go drum, but you know, it does have like this weird sort of syncopated drum thing happening within it that I feel is 
uh, unusual and interesting and effective. But from what I get, like a lot of the stuff that I've seen him DJ and play lately is is, is not a hundred percent up this way. Uh, his BBC thing was was pretty all over the place. And from what I understand, he like grew up in Rotterdam and really loves house and techno and club music and all this stuff. So like it wouldn't surprise me to kind of see him play an hour of straight techno or disco or whatever it is. Uh, when I saw his LA debut like fairly recently, like I was a little bummed because yeah. I was just kind of like, you know, I know kind of like his, his production kind of goes everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I felt like it was like a fairly, you know, enjoyable but sort of like safe set, you know. And uh, the song is not that. Uh, so this is Bambunu. I think it's item is how it is uh, how it's spelled or pronounced or whatever. Here we go.
I, I find it interesting that Bambunu is a male model and he wrote a song like that. He's a male model. He's a male model. Oh. And uh, a, a really effective producer. This next one is Jay Daniel. Um, uh, this whole album is awesome. Um, and uh, I also kind of like what it sort of represents in the sense that like there's these there's this sort of young guy that is clearly like Dilla influenced and comes from Detroit and uh, you know has these like awesome sort of handmade uh, just like head cracking beats um, but also you know really likes you can tell like really likes sort of housey stuff mm. you know so it's like when you think of Detroit you're like well you either like house and techno or you like Jay Dilla and I like the fact that this guy clearly likes both and does it really fucking well. Nice. sort of chunk here uh, is the Reagan Bombs album. Uh, Reagan Bombs is me and Scott Sanders for the most part. Scott Sanders, I say for the most part because there's like band members that are, are sort of like, uh, that we work with, but like, you know, the, the core is me and Scott Sanders. Um, he's an old friend of mine, the first person to ever book me in Los Angeles, and he's a filmmaker. Uh, I guess his most famous claim to fame is this movie called Black Dynamite that did pretty well and turned into an Adult Swim show. Uh, and he's working on a bunch of stuff right now and he's, he does like the film side of things and I do the audio side of things so he's trying to get like a documentary going he does live visuals for when the band plays and all that sort of stuff okay. and then I'm so the one making visual pro- there's a message absolutely a picture, like, absolutely and then videos that we have for these and all that kind of stuff uh, and I can send you like trailers for you know what we're shopping and shooting yeah. and all that kind of stuff um, so it's predominantly us. I'm doing the music, and for this next album, I use uh, a lot of the Northeast Groovers. I played uh, one of their songs earlier, and it's like Stomp and Smoke and Rapper, which is uh, what they call a lead talker, or basically the MC of the Go-Go group. Uh, and what it kind of does is just kind of takes influences that you've heard me kind of uh, play um, in the earlier segment. So it's like... Even though it has like go-go rhythms and go-go musicians and all that kind of stuff, none of it, like I was saying, is like traditional go-go. Yeah. Um, there's house influences, rock influences, um, Indian influences, etc., etc., etc. Box Out FM. Box Out FM.
and now it's a big four-lane highway now that runs through there. And my mother taught me how to sing. You know, it was in me, you know, go from house to house uh, on the weekends and and uh, I'd sing with my mother and everybody was just thrilled about that. That little boy was singing, you know what I mean? And we used to go to these houses, on, uh, different houses, uh, and they have a bunch of people there and, and they'd we sang and it passed around the head. <laughs> <laughs>
So when they caught him, caught me, took us back to the building in Richmond, Virginia. It was called the building then. Both of us was in the hospital. I stayed in the hospital four months. They thawed me out. My feet was full of that day. And he wasn't the first one that that happened to. Wow. I still got it.
smoke, smoke. Stop, everybody stop.
Southeast entstanden, hat viele Elemente der schwarzen Musik in neuer Form wieder aufleben lassen.
and uh, that's it. That's the Reagan Bombs debut album. Um, I guess sort of what's next is I've been kind of recording pieces of stuff here in India and, and getting sort of new source material at a couple different tempos and, and recording sort of drummers and, and kind of seeing what 2.0 means in, in terms of flexibility of, 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 uh, of what Gogo can do and can't do. Um, I also am doing, uh, I got some stems from Adrian Young and we're excited to take his electronic album and, uh, you know, kind of do the Reagan bomb sort of go-go treatment to it. Uh, and that's, that's going to keep me busy for a little while. Um, Scott is still seeing if, uh, he can kind of get some stuff cracking on, on the film and TV side of things. And we're going to see how that goes, but, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, just spending my time kind of recording drummers and not getting a lot of sunlight despite living in Los Angeles. We expect uh, the Reagan Bombs sort of debut album to be out mid-May on Swedish Columbia. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed. So I need to stop nitpicking and put it out. <laughs> yeah, that was epic. Make sure you check out the links at the bottom. Hopefully by then the album would have been out and the radio is streaming. So that if you want to contribute, check out the album link. And yeah, stay tuned. Thank you so much for being with us today. Word. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. Boom. Box Out FM. Box Out FM.